Hey guys, happy Sunday, July 18th, Sunday service with my partner, Cody Barton. The prodigal son has returned. As you can tell, he has good lighting, good internet, and that freaking beard. This guy, it's like almost like he turned into a man in Medellin, Chicago, or you can go to Chicago, um, Michigan, Costa Rica, Texas, Tallahassee? Nashville. Nashville, that's kind of the same thing. So- <laughs> He's here, guys. He's here. He's here. We are going to be talking about do on sale clause today. Um, what is do on sale clause? How is why is it important? I kind of call do on sale clause the boogeyman for of creative finance, but it has been called on Cody and I, and so we are going to be talking about that that today, and we're going to be having a good time. So if you guys have questions as it pertains to the do on sale clause, please don't hesitate to ask some questions in the side chat. We did not do an intro today because I was late. I'm sorry, guys. I was 100% late. We had a family thing that I was in the middle of. So it's good to see everybody in here. Let's just welcome everybody in here. Raymond, Joe, Leo Aguirre out of Houston. Good to see you, Leo. Eva Grace Mim. She got three contracts during the Zero to Hero Challenge. Did you hear about that? Wow. That's freaking awesome. Right. Heck uh, yeah. Noah Hoffman. Um, good to see you in here, bro. He is our Airbnb manager. Um, J uh, Noah, give us an update on our Airbnbs in the side chat. We'd like to see what's going on. I haven't talked to you in a couple of days because I just know you're crushing it. You're always crushing it. So good, good, good to see everybody in here. Cody, tell us about your your trip. Where did, where are all the places you went, and how long were you gone, bro? Yeah, so uh, I was gone. A little over 45 days or a little around 40 ish 45 days or so about a month and a half um started in miami and in miami uh matt beard our other partner and myself went to an event out there for a mastermind that we're a part of which was awesome then we hung out with um, my girlfriend and then his wife and baby um, for a couple days after that so that was a great time out there uh, then I went to uh, Colombia with my girlfriend, Hayal, and we spent some time in Colombia, um, which was dope. We saw a lot of the cool sites. We saw one of Pablo Escobar's houses that was burned down, and then we saw like four other ones um, as well, all on the same lake. So it's pretty cool. We went from there to Nashville, Tennessee um, for a quick stop there. And then I know it's random. We went up to Michigan. So we went all the way from Columbia up to Michigan. Um, but it was for a, a close friend's birthday. And then we went down from, uh, Michigan to Dallas, Texas, then to Costa Rica for almost three weeks in Costa Rica. So that was, that was a big chunk of that trip was down in Costa Rica. Um, so I got some color, I don't look as pale as I normally do. So, you know, that's, you that's great. good. No, I don't think you've ever looked any better. <laughs> For letting real. the facial hair grow. So, Hiel's yeah. like, I thought I was dating a white boy. Yeah. I mean, now she's dark brown. Now. It's like, I got around. dark. She got dark. <laughs> oh, I believe it. I can't <laughs> wait to see her. I haven't seen her in a month and a half. That's amazing. Yeah. Maybe I'll bring her over tomorrow for the partnership. Uh, meeting so you can hang out at the pool or something. I'd love to see her. Um, so Cody, we're going to talk about do on sale clause tonight. Um, guys, let's get into it. We're going to start out with first and foremost, what is do on sale? 
this is a common thing. I, I hear it all the time. Um, I feel like we've done a really good job actually of eliminating the do on sell clause conversation in the general conversation regarding, you know, in the wholesale world. I think most people have watched the YouTube videos. Most people have watched the Instagram and we have thousands of students that have all been educated on what do on sale clause is and why it's really not significant and why it's not important to worry about. It's definitely important to worry about. Is it something that you should be scared of is a completely different story. So let's jump into that. Let's have a little bit of fun today. Cody, I'm going to change up this view so we can do a little screen share action. You guys don't mind. So do on sale clause. Cody, can you explain do on sale clause for everybody? You probably never have to really worry about explaining do on sale clause. Yeah, I mean, in kind of simple terms, the do on sale clause is something that is put into a legally binding agreement. So in simple terms, the do on sale is something that is put on a piece of paper that in writing says that when the property or whatever transfers ownership, the prop, the loan is typically going to be called due. So the loan that may be in place. So if you have a loan with Wells Fargo, with Bank of America, with Chase Bank, whatever bank that you got a loan through, if the title transfers, the property ownership transfers, there is verbiage typically on that piece of paper that the bank has in their loan documents that says, hey, when this property transfers, it can be called due. The, the due on sale clause can be exercised. It doesn't mean though it must be exercised. It could be if they decided it to be, but that's simply, I guess, I don't know if that's simple enough of an understanding, I'm sure from the million explanations of it you've done, you could probably help some people out with that too. Let's try it. Thank you. That's a good lead in. So let's say that Mr. Tom buys a house and he buys a house using a Wells Fargo loan. And Wells Fargo says, you know what, Tom, you're a pretty badass guy. We're going to give you $200,000 to buy this house. And we're going to write an agreement that says that you owe us this $200,000. That agreement would be called what, Cody? That would be a note. Either a mortgage or a, a deed of trust or also a note, right? So deed of trust, mm -hmm. depending on the state that you're in. So um, a very, very simple way of explaining this is a note, right? And uh, we explained this the other day to uh, the sub two students in a very easy way. A note is a very fancy IOU. It's an adult IOU. I owe you money. Okay, so Tom owes Wells Fargo $200,000. So what's cool about subject two is that I can take over this magical thing that is separate from the note, and that's called the deed. So the deed shows that Tom is the owner, and the note shows that Tom still owes Wells Fargo $200,000. The note is just a debt instrument or a debt document where it documents the debt between two parties. That's what a note is. So I can own the property. It's kind of like this. This is the way I explain it to people. Cody, if you went down right now, if you went down to, what's your, where, where do you and Hyel shop? I can almost guarantee it's Whole Foods. I mean, yeah, Whole Foods or like fries. I mean, fries. Okay, so let's say you go to Whole Foods, okay? Yeah. 
and you're using your American Express because I know you're balling out. You got an American Express. What do you got now? You got a platinum? I got the platinum. Shoot. Last trip because those lounges. Those okay, cool. Lounges. So Cody's got the American Express platinum. That thing is no joke, okay? He's got the American Express Platinum. Now, if I go down to Whole Foods and I'm Cody, I'm using my credit card. I hope, Cody, you use your credit card for everything. Yes, free okay, money. You get reward points. points, you get flights, yeah. you can travel around the country and do all sorts of stuff. So if you buy, let's say, peanut butter, jelly, bread at Whole Foods using your American Express, did you use your own money to buy that, those products? Not yet. Not yet. Love that. So you didn't use your own money. You used somebody else's money to buy that bread, that peanut butter, and that jelly. You take that bread, that peanut butter, and that jelly back home. Who owns the peanut butter, jelly, and bread? I do. Right. Cody owns that. So what happens a lot of times, people confuse these two things. They confuse the deed, which what is the deed? The deed is the deed is the receipt of ownership. Okay. So if I have the deed, I have the receipt of ownership. So if I walk outside of Whole Foods, how do I guarantee to the security guard or at Costco, how do I guarantee that I am the owner of that food? Well, I show them my receipt. That is the deed. Okay. Kind of cool. Now, what's amazing is just like Tom, Tom bought this property, this house for $200,000, but he did not use his own money, okay? He did not use his own money. He used Wells Fargo's money. And the way that we know that is because they have an agreement between the two parties called the note that Cody talked about a little bit earlier. So the deed, which is amazing, the deed in this situation with Tom is that he shows that he's the owner of this property. Now, it doesn't mean that he doesn't owe Wells Fargo $200,000. It just means that he is the owner and he owes a debt to somebody else in the form of a note. This is also known as a lien. Okay. So I love subject to because subject to, and Cody and I have had the due on sale clause called on us multiple times. So that's what we're going to get to, guys. But we're laying the foundation for you guys to understand this. In subject to, Tom has the ability to transfer the deed to Cody. So now Cody has the deed and has the receipt of ownership. But the cool thing is you can have the deed without having your name on the note. That is absolutely amazing. So for example, let's say Cody comes home with that peanut butter, that jelly, and that bread. And he says, hey, Hiel, I don't want this peanut butter, this jelly, this bread. I bought the wrong stuff. I bought the wrong stuff, but I owe American Express the money for what I bought. Do you want to take over the peanut butter, the jelly, and the bread, and you want to make it yourself, and you want to eat it yourself? And she says, absolutely. Absolutely, I want that. Great, here you go. It's yours. Now, what's cool is even though it's on Cody's American Express card, Hiel can make the, she can make the payment and pay that off if she's essentially taking that over from Cody. And that's what we're doing in subject two. We're taking over somebody else's home. And instead of Tom making the payment, oops, my bad. Instead of Tom making the payment, we take the deed in our name 
and we simply start making the payment to somebody else's note. Kind of fancy. Now, here's what due on sale clause is. Due on sale is when Wells Fargo finds out, hey, wait a second. I qualified, this is Wells Fargo now talking out loud. I qualified Tom for this $200,000 over here. And I have an agreement with him in the form of a note. And you're telling me that now you're going to transfer the ownership from Tom, the guy that I already qualified and verified as a good borrower. You're now going to transfer the ownership to this Cody guy who I don't even know who he is. No, 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 no. I am not okay with that. And I am going to, this is, we call this multiple things. I'm going to give you guys multiple th things that's called. I'm going to call the home due. I'm going to uh, call the due on sale clause. Okay. I'm going to call the due on sale clause. It's also called, I'm going to call the note due. Same thing. Third thing it's called, I'm going to accelerate. How do I spell it? Accelerate or ER? I think it's ER. Er, accelerate. Okay. Guys, we buy homes. We don't, we're not grammar <laughs> specialists, okay? Accelerate the note, okay? Or sometimes people call accelerate the debt. And all this means, all three of these things are ex literally the exact same thing. Do on sale clause, call the note due, accelerate the debt, accelerate the note, is when Wells Fargo finds out that Tom transferred the ownership to Cody of this property and Wells Fargo did not qualify Cody. Cody didn't get his credit checked. He didn't do anything. And now Cody's the owner of record and he's the one making the payment instead of Tom. Oh my gosh, I want this house back is not what they're saying. They don't want the house. They never wanted the house. That's not what they're doing. They don't take houses. What they do, what they want is they want you to immediately pay off that $200,000, okay? Now, here's the, here's the common myths about the due on sale clause, okay? Due on sale clause is really funny because people think that when they get the due on sale clause, that what the bank is saying is they think the bank is saying, A, I want the house. Ba Cody, are banks in the business of wanting houses? No, the banks don't want to own real estate. They, they want to control it. They don't want to actually have responsibility for taking care of the real estate. Right, there we go. So due on sale clause, they do not want the house. Now, if they have to take the house in order to get their debt paid back, then they will. But at the end of the day, what the due on sale clause is, is doing is, well, that's a common myth. And the other common myth is that it happens immediately. Okay, I'm going to give you a quick story. We had a student, actually, Yui Win out of uh, Houston, Texas. I'm golfing with Scott Horn, who is, has been in creative finance for 35 years as a closing attorney, subject to seller finance, all the things you can imagine. He's also an RMLO We'll probably bring him on to a Sunday service episode in the future. I'm playing golf with him and Eric Sage, okay? Probably the most creative couple of guys you can imagine on a golf course have that has ever been assembled, right? And 
what happens is I get a text message from Yui Win out of Houston, one of the, uh, the sub two students. And he goes, Pace, I just got the due on sale letter from the bank. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I need you to call me. Can you help me? And I go, yeah, man, I'll call you after my round of golf. And whoa, that freak him out. No, man, I need an answer right now. I need help right now. And I said, man, the due on sale clause is not immediate. It's not going to happen immediate. It takes months and months for this to happen. Due on sale clause happens immediately. It does not happen immediately. That is a myth, okay? In fact, what happens with the due on sale clause is that they are forced, unfortunately, the bank, to put the home into a foreclosure state, okay? And that takes anywhere between, depending on the state that you're in, takes anywhere between three to 12 months. So essentially what you have is you have three to 12 months to solve the due on sale clause, which is the easiest thing on planet earth to solve. It's almost as easy as going down to Whole Foods and buying that bread, that peanut butter, and that jelly. It is incredibly simple to solve the, the due on sale clause. Okay. And Cody and I have had the due on sale. We'll, we'll tell you a couple of stories about how that we've, we've solved that. But let's see if we've got any questions in the, the mail or not in the mail, but in the, in the um, side chat. Ooh, Nick Legamaro, good friend of ours. You know Nick Legamaro out of Dallas. He's a very, very creative investor. He's also a sub two student. If you guys are um, looking to do deals in Texas, Nick Legamaro is one of the best people to do deals with. He's amazing. He says, how long does it take the bank to accelerate the payoff? Do they foreclose? And he, what I love about Nick is he knows the answer to this but he is a good friend. He was actually just texting me. We're going to bring him on a special Zoom here in a couple of weeks. Um, Nick knows the answer. He's just trying to encourage a good conversation. How long does it take the bank to accelerate the payoff? It takes months, not weeks, not days, not one month. It's three to 12 months is what it takes. Okay. Peggy Steven says, how did Wells Fargo know about it? We're going to get to that. We're going to talk about how does a bank find out about the deed being transferred. Remember, Tom transferred the deed to Cody and Cody bought the property subject too. Okay. So how does a bank find out about that? That'll be the next conversation we talk about here in the next couple of minutes. Um, looks like everybody's on the same page. Everybody getting some value. Everybody enjoying this so far. All right. Todd says, isn't the deed transfer at the courthouse? Seems like the bank would find out then. No, the bank actually doesn't find out then. The bank is not sitting there waiting for the, the, the courthouse to, um, and it's not the courthouse, it's the county recorder's office, okay? The county recorder's office is who records the transaction, and that is not when the bank finds out about that. It's not like the bank has a notification with your archaic, ho-hum, horrible, County Recorder's website that notifies the bank of a deed transfer. Okay, it doesn't happen. It's not going to happen. The technology just doesn't exist. Okay, doesn't exist the way you think it would. Um, so no, that is not how they find out. They're not doing deed. There, there was a point a couple of years ago where there was a group of creative finance investors that were saying that Wells Fargo, Cody, had invented this. Um, they had invented this software to scrape through the county recorder's offices to see who had transferred deeds on properties that they held mortgages on. And 
I did the research and ultimately the person that was spreading the rumor was also selling a coaching course on how to stop the do on sale clause. And you guys got to find out where your information's coming from. Okay. That Not Wells Fargo thing was never going on. It was a total hoax. It even made like this guy was paying Yahoo news. I don't know if you guys know this, but you can pay like Yahoo news and like Huffington Post and stuff, 500 bucks and they'll run an article that you wrote. It's crazy. And so this guy was like, actually putting this information out there and pontificating that there was a problem that he had the solution to this entire thing. It never existed. Okay. What it is, is a lot of times these, um, gurus who don't really have any real value to provide, they make this massive thing up, this big boogeyman so that you have to buy a product from them that solves this problem that really doesn't exist. Okay. So no, that is not really how these banks find out. We'll tell you guys how they find out here in a couple of minutes. Um, and no, the deed is not transferred at the courthouse. It's transferred at the re county recorder's office. Okay. Um, somebody says, what's the best sub two script? Dorian Clark, that's a great question. That's something that we give all of our students. Really, really good information. We have done over 1,100 Zooms in the last 14 months inside of the sub two mentorship. I know it sounds daunting, but it is true. Um, I would work with one of the students if you want to get a good sub two script. Um, check this out. Aaron Leitz, my first deal I just closed last week. It was sub two and I learned it from Pace. The seller was so stressed out and was super thankful. We reduced his stress. Congratulations, Aaron Leitz. I remember three wow. months ago, he was like, I'm not, I just don't know when I'm going to get my first deal. I go, bro, keep taking action. Your first deal is coming. Um, okay. So, Check this out. Justin Yuhan says they find out by a title search. Cody, do you think a mortgage company like Chase, Bank of America or whatnot, do you think they're actively doing title searches on deed transfers? No, they're, they're spending their time trying to figure out how to bundle up those mortgages and sell them to some other servicing company or some other hedge fund. <laughs> Super interesting that people don't understand that. They think that like people, these banks are lending money and then they've got employees watching the title uh, changes and all that kind of stuff. Guys, this happened, this has been happening for over a hundred years. Subject to seller finance has been happening for well over a hundred years. And even before that, seller finance has been going on for a thousand plus years. No joke. Okay. And when they started doing, can I, I'm going to tell you something really interesting. So Frank Lloyd Wright, one of the most prolific architects of the last thousand years was also one of the most creative investors on the planet. This guy, the way he bought his first property was with a novation agreement. He bought land and he didn't give the, he basically bought land on a novation agreement. He built a property, he refinanced and paid the seller off at the time he refinanced the house. And that's when the seller got paid. That's how he got his first house. He also built a house based on selling portions of his own body as stock. <laughs> he says, you know, I need money to build a house and I'm a pretty famous architect. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to sell my body as if it shares in a stock and I'm going to give people a portion of my future earnings for the debt that I take on. And he went off and built a $15 million home based on selling his body as stock. Guys, this kind of stuff has been happening for a very, very long time. Creative finance and these types of things. There was other things that he had done where he had taken over debt on other properties, and which is subject to 
before subject two is called subject two, you're just taking over the debt, leaving it in somebody else's name and transferring the deed into your name. It's been happening for a very, very long time. So these banks who are giving you money, their job is to lend money and then their job is to bundle all of these loans up and sell them to a servicing company and rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. The ability for them to stop what they're doing, which is writing and creating millions and millions of loans every single year, millions, not thousands, millions and millions and millions of loans, stop and wonder who transferred a deed to another person on a property that the loan is being paid is so unlikely that it's laughable. It's so unlikely that it's laughable. However, it does, they do find out. And there are reasons why they do find out. So we're going to get to that in just a couple of minutes. Just let me clear out the comments here. Um, is, this, is this the Liz Pendens you showed us, Pace? No, Ben Diaz, this, is not, this has nothing to do with the Liz Pendens, but um, good question. Isn't the deed transfer the, the courthouse? No, we touched base on that. Let me just scroll down here a little bit more. Um, long time Sunday service viewer, first time here as a sub two student. Jeff Hamilton did just join sub two. I saw him this morning or maybe it was yesterday. Um, so Jeff, good to see you in here. Really, really good to see you in here. Randy says, yeah, I got my first deal today and it was no money down sub two. Congratulations, Randy. That is so amazing. Um, they find out when they review their books, loans, when they sell them, but they rent, they seldom care so far as the loan is in good standings. That's a great thing. I don't think that that is the case. I've we're part of multiple masterminds and multiple masterminds with very high level creative finance investors. I have never heard somebody getting a loan call due when somebody is selling a package of loans. I've never heard that. It doesn't mean it hasn't happened, but I've never heard that. Um, Dara says, I mean, the creative options are known by old school investors. Yeah, it's crazy what they used to do. Um, old school funk. Thank you so much says, how, you have great content, guys. How much does it cost to join Sub 2 Pace? I have saved money. I'm ready. Old school funk, I wish I knew your name. If I were you, I would link up with one of the Sub 2 students in your local area and ask them for some help. Okay, there's that's the cost of the mentorship. Ingrid Hernandez, one of Frank Lloyd Wright's houses is for sale right now. Had no idea he, he cold called on it and they are willing to reduce price over $7 million. Oh my gosh. Okay. So here we go. KK Films. This is a good one. Should I sign the deed in my name or a trust or does it matter? Now, you're going to get people that are trying to sell you a product are going to tell you that to avoid the do on sell clause, you need to purchase it in a land trust. And this is a common debate. I, every time I hire, I, every time I have a new conversation with a new CPA or somebody who's versed in real estate that has either um, they're an attorney or they're a CPA that actually understands these things. It's one of the first questions I ask. Are, I say, are you a land trust guy or a non-land trust guy? Because it seems like it's like the Capulets and the Montagues. People are constantly fighting over this thing. It's like a turf war. Some people are like, land trusts are stupid. It's a waste of time. Then the next conversation you have with somebody who's been doing real estate just as long as the other person. And if I told you both these people's names, you'd be like, whoa, that guy's a legend. Whoa, that guy's a legend. Both of them could not have differing opinions about the subject. And tonight we will give you our opinion. Okay. Um, Daniel Robbins, good to see you. Judy 
Random says, first live Sunday service. Can you believe that Cody made it all the way back from a seven-week trip? Holy moly. Wow. Wow. It seems like we got it. We should do a general Q&A instead of a topic-based um, Zoom, or not Zoom, but Sunday service at some point because we get so many good first-timers coming in here asking questions and do on sale clause might be over some people's heads and they might be like, I don't even care what do on sale clause. I just want to get my first deal. Yeah. Mark says, do you have a separate purchase agreement you will share with purchasing a seller finance property? Who prepared the loan mortgage, the closing attorney, et cetera? Mark, we do have those documents. However, we have spent over the last six years, seven years of doing creative finance, we have spent probably close to $40,000, $50,000 drafting those documents, redrafting those documents, updating those documents based on new laws, new legislations, new things that we've learned based on relationships with the sellers and things that have gone wrong, things that have gone well, things that we just want to change. We change those documents every three to six months. And unfortunately, I will never in my life ever give those documents to anybody but a student who is trained to use them. So it's like handing you a loaded gun. If you don't know how to use it, it's the last thing I'm going to do is hand you a loaded gun. So yes, we give them away to people who are inside of a mentorship who are learning how to actually use them properly. Okay. Um, Alexis Adams, Adams, Adams. How true is it that if you record the deed under a land trust, the bank can't call the due on sale clause? That is actually incorrect. Okay. It is incorrect. And if you want to, if anybody wants to argue with me, please take this Sunday service recording and send it to anybody that disagrees with me. And I would love to have a cordial, amazing conversation on another live of Sunday service, but it is 100% incorrect. A land trust does not stop the due on sale clause. A land trust hides who the new owner is, but it doesn't mean that the deed did not transfer to a new entity. Okay, so basically what they're doing I'm going to get really, really intricate. I'm going to get really intricate on this really quick for everybody. And we're going to go fast through this because I think this is going to melt some minds. But let's say that I'm, I'm buying the property from Tom. Okay. And Tom has this magical thing called the deed, which we've already established is the receipt of ownership. And anybody, we're, we've got 300 people watching in here live right now. So thank you so much. Um, between Cody's YouTube and my YouTube, we've got 300 people watching live. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. But you did miss at the very beginning, we talked about um, some of these amazing um, art installations that I do on this, this whiteboard and who Tom is. Right now, you guys have no idea who Tom is. Okay, You don't know if he has a mustache, if he doesn't have a mustache. You don't know what the deal is. But essentially, if Cody's going to buy the property subject to, Tom is going to deed the property over to Cody, but the debt, which is still owed to Wells Fargo, is still in Tom's name, right? That's the exact definition of subject two. So a lot of people go, well, you know, this little arrow right here, this little magical arrow is the transfer of the deed from Cody, um, from Tom to Cody. And this is where, where Wells Fargo will notice. And they'll go, oh my gosh, I see what you just did. And they have a big sad face and they say, nope, do on sale. We want this loan paid off immediately because Cody was not verified for this. So some people believe because of the Garn St. Germain Act that if you buy a this if you take the deed and the deed transfers through or to a land trust. 
okay, which is not an LLC. And the land trust beneficiary now is hidden. You cannot find out who the beneficiary is in 48 states, at least. Arizona, you can. In 48 states, you cannot see who the beneficiary is. And the beneficiary is another word for owner or somebody who benefits from the land trust. Then you, the beneficiary can then be your LLC. But the only thing that the bank sees, the only thing that the bank sees is they see that the deed was transferred to a land trust. And that land trust could be called Tom Family Land Trust. And so a lot of people who are, in my opinion, wrong, they think that if you transfer the property to a land trust, that because of the Garn St. Germain Act, it prevents the due on sale clause from happening. I'm going to tell you right now that that is not correct. Half of the time when I hear somebody say, I had the due on sale clause called on me, guess what they did? They bought the property in a land trust. Land trust is a hoax. Land trusts have their purpose. They are absolutely amazing. We talk about them, we teach them, but that a land trust should never be used in the hope of preventing yourself from getting the due on sale clause called on you. It is incorrect. And if you learn that on YouTube, just like you're probably learning this on YouTube, I'm sorry, but it is incorrect. Okay, it is absolutely incorrect. It's somebody trying to sell you something and the people who are trying to sell you land trusts and land trust education are actually very smart people. And I don't think they intentionally mean to harm anybody by selling these products, but they're selling you something when they're telling you that that is a way to prevent the due on sale clause. And I apologize for saying that and stepping on somebody's ability to make money, but it is absolutely incorrect. Christopher James says, what if you're currently do not have a land trust? What's the next step? Use LLC. Well, Christopher, we already established that buying through a land trust does not do you much good, does it? Josh Archer says, hey, Pace, first time watching Sunday service. Love Wholesale Hotline. So much wisdom. Anyone in Denver, Colorado want to squat up? We have a lot of Denver students, bro. Nisha Hyde says, I'm diligently working on a couple of sub two leads. One is buying a new house and needs this one to appraise or needs to sell. So how could we bring this to the mortgage company without triggering? Um, Nisha, bring that to me on Tuesday, please, into one of our live Zooms. I'd love to chat with you about that answer. It's a longer answer. Michael Mason, who may I contact to help on a foreclosure expense negotiation? They're trying to charge $8,000 on an $11,000 mortgage. Any thoughts? Thank you. Michael Mason, I would call Rochelle Jarvis from constantclose.com to handle that. Okay, sounds good. Um, boom, boom, boom. Isn't it better just to tell the bank I am taking over the title and the payments? I know Aaron Leitz already knows this answer. He's, a, he's now a sub two veteran. He's got his first sub two deal closed. He does know the answer to this question. Cody, have we ever notified a bank that we're taking over a deed but keeping the debt in the seller's name? No. First and foremost, if I told you that you needed to do that, who would you call? They don't have a department for that. <laughs> they don't wait, they don't have a due on sale clause department. Nope. <laughs> Guys, when you call a bank, who do you typically get a hold of? And by the way, this Aaron Leitz knows the answer to this, but one of the most challenging parts of stopping a foreclosure, let's say a seller's in foreclosure, one of the most challenging parts of that is just talking to somebody at the bank that has a brain in their head. 
So when you want to call, let's say you want to call, I, I have seen this on YouTube as well. People go, oh yeah, we send letters to the bank to let them know we're buying subject to. I'm like, and who's reading these? <laughs> Who is reading these that even has a brain in their head? The majority of the employees are not, people think that like bankers are sitting behind a mahogany desk with leather bound books behind them, reading letters and, and answering your phone calls. That is not how mortgage companies operate. The majority of their people are overseas, virtual assistants that are answering their customer support calls and you want to call them and let them know that you transferred the deed and you bought their property subject to. Aaron Leitz does indeed know the answer. The answer is absolutely not. It's a waste of your time. Even if you wanted to, I don't even know who you would, you, who you would call. Cody, um, do you remember that property we bought from Cody Sperber, the one up in Whitman that ended up having cesspools and instead of... Uh, um, septic tanks. Yes, I do okay. remember that. <laughs> so that was an interesting property, but I, I want to bring this up because there was a property that Cody and I brought, bought subject to a couple of years ago. And we decided we didn't want that property after about three or four months of working on it because we found out that some of the information that was given to us, not from Cody's Sperber, but from the seller was actually incorrect. And so we decided to, um, wholesale the property and get rid of it. It was a subject to deal. But in that process, what I did is I called the bank because I, was, I wanted to show somebody proof that even if I tried to get the bank to call the do on sale clause on me, I couldn't do it, okay? So what I did is we were driving to Whitman, I was with Anna, and I, I told Anna, I was like, let me call the bank. I'm gonna call. We called the bank and it was like a four hour round trip and I kept calling the bank, kept calling the bank, kept calling the bank, and Anna was recording me on her cell phone I called the bank multiple times, kept saying, who's your boss? Who's your boss? Who's your boss? Okay, well, who's that person's boss? I could not get a hold of somebody that even knew what do on sale clause was. I was basically saying, we don't want this property anymore. We just want to test something out. If you guys understand subject two and we transfer the deed, even though the blah, 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 blah. People are like, I'm confused. Are you trying, are you trying to figure out where to make your payment? Because that's not my department. Okay, great. Can I talk to somebody? Guys, that is what it's like to try and call a bank. You are not calling a bank and talking about do on sale clause. I can promise you 99% of their employees that answer the phone have no clue how to do that. Okay. Um, besides probably setting up a servicing company and insurance, is there anything else people should do? Yes, absolutely. We will get into that 100%. Okay. Alexis, says, follow-up question. So should we transfer the deed to an LLC and not a land trust to lower the chance of having the due on sale clause called on and just having an LLC that single property? So Alexis, this is a really long answer that I give my sub two students. It probably would take me about 30 to 45 an uh, minutes to thoroughly answer this question for you. Okay. Here's the thing, Alexis. Number one, you can buy a property in a, a land trust. You can but don't plan on it stopping the due on sale clause. Okay. It does. I'd never said don't buy a property in a land trust. I never said you can only buy it in an LLC. I did say, however, there are 48 states that the land trust is effective in and there's two states that are not. And what is a land trust sole purpose? What is the purpose of a land trust is to hide the ownership of who owns the property. That's what a land trust sole purpose is, okay? So in state of Arizona, 
our land trusts do not hide who the owner is. And so a land trust, we just learned how to buy properties without land trusts. And we learned that a land trust for the most part is an absolute waste of your time, your money, et cetera. So if you want to buy in a land trust, go do it. It will add provided anonymity in terms of maybe a renter finding out who owns the actual property. Land trusts are amazing. And if you guys want, we can talk about land trusts deeper on another day where I can bring in an actual attorney to talk about land trusts. However, I want you to remember land trusts do not stop due on sale. So if you're going to buy a property in a land trust and then assign the beneficiary to an LLC, which is actually how it's done, a land trust does not stop due on sale and neither does an LLC. That is not what stops a, a due on sale clause. Okay. So let's go into a couple of things. Cody, let's, let's come, let's give everybody here a couple of ways that a due on sale clause would have gotten figured out, um, by the bank. Uh, one would be, let's see. Well, that Girl. one that we got called due, the one on, uh, what was that called? Well, the, uh, Dutchman, but Dutchman, that one lost Dutchman small, trail. Yeah. That was a small local bank. Okay, so let's so, do this. It's a couple of things, okay? Mm -hmm. Small local bank is part was part of it, but that's not the entire story. So let's make sure we give people the entire story. It was a mm -hmm. small local bank, A, and B, that loan, if you remember, was in foreclosure. Yes. And we transferred the deed too quickly after that we redeemed the foreclosure. And because, so this is, this was actually the main problem right here. And because we caused that problem and it was a small local bank that then the then small local bank says they see the situation and they do a big frowny face and they go, we saw after the redemption of the foreclosure, we, which redemption of foreclosure means we caught up the seller's payment. We bought it subject to, and we transferred the deed too quickly the small local bank then, when they were redeeming the loan in their computer system, they noticed that the seller who just recently redeemed their loan was no longer on title. That is what caused that. And it was because it was a small local bank, right? Yep. So I don't want you guys to worry necessarily about small local banks. I want you to realize that what we should have done on, what was it? Lost, it was Lost Dutchman was the name of the property, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then what we should have done on Lost Dutchman is we should have A, close, uh, actually, I'm sorry, let's go in order. We should have redeemed the foreclosure, which means we should have caught up on the foreclosure. We should have B, waited a cooling off period of at least five to 10 days. We didn't even wait like a day. Yeah, it was like immediate. <laughs> it was like immediate. And then C, transfer the deed later. Now, um, somebody like uh, Sergio, who asked a really good question, Sergio is going to be like, Sergio's in here. Shout out Sergio. He's going to say, how do you transfer the deed? What if the seller dies in the meantime? And what if the seller's brother's cousin, such and such and such, that is not there for you to transfer the deed after you've already redeemed the money and you've spent the money on the foreclosure. Well, Sergio, what we would actually do is we would actually hold on to the deed. So we would have the title company issue the deed to us and we would be holding the physical copy 
for probably a good 30 days and we would already have the warranty deed in our pocket, our physical pocket, our tangible deed. So we don't need any more el anybody else to come along, okay? So um, here we go. There's number one, small local bank, I would say is probably the most common one. And then number two, improper insurance. Okay, so you do your insurance incorrectly, which means when you take over a property subject to, you are also, you are taking over the PITI. Cody, what does PITI stand for? Principal, interest, taxes, and insurance. So when we take over a property subject to, we're also taking over an insurance policy subject to, correct? Yes, correct. So that insurance policy, you can you have multiple choices, and we teach this in sub two in great depth. So Sergio asked the question about this. Um, look, look at this. Sergio says, "How did you know I thought of that?" Because <laughs> <laughs> I know Sergio's brain, and I appreciate Sergio uh, tremendously. He asked really great questions. So with insurance, guys, there are multiple options. There's an option A, an option B, and an option C with how to handle the insurance, but we don't have time to go into this. But I can tell you, we went through this for uh, six hours with our actual insurance agent inside of the sub two mentorship. Okay. So if you guys, Sergio, I would suggest you go and find that. Fernando Diaz says, Cody is the man. I tend to agree with that a hundred percent. Okay. Justin Yuhan says, so he says, he came back and he says, so they found out through a title search. No, Justin, they did not find out through a title search. When they went into their computer system to redeem the foreclosure, because remember this property on Lost Dutchman was in foreclosure. Cody and I redeemed the foreclosure, bada bing, bada bing right here. We redeemed the foreclosure, which means we caught up the payments what that did is that triggered the small local bank to physically go back to their system and go, okay, let's verify all the information of the seller. Let's make sure everything's good. Let's reestablish the loan. Let's make sure everything's good. And in that process, they noticed that the owner of record was not the seller. Okay. And so a title search is very different than looking at public record. A title search is calling a title company and having them pull a preliminary title report. That is what a title search is. Unless you're just saying manually looking up and seeing who is on public record, then yes, they found out by looking manually at public record for at one house that we um, redeemed and immediately closed on the next day. So it wasn't a title search. It was them redeeming the loan that we had pulled out of foreclosure by catching up the payments um, that they were going back to their computer system manually, okay? Okay, cool. This is an interesting thing because what did we just talk about here? I love these questions. They stress me out. Um, and this is why this stresses me out because Joshua, I don't know if you, you tuned in late, bro, but look here. Your answer is right on the screen. We did cover this. I, I wrote it out as I spoke it out loud. So we said, you, Josh asked a question, is there a certain length of time you are allowed to hold the deed before recording? Oh, actually his question is different. So thank you, Josh. Guys, you can hold the deed for as long as you want. The question you should be asking is, what point 
does maybe the seller decide I could sell this to somebody else because this idiot hasn't recorded their their deed, right? Ooh, this one's good. Sergio says, how do you protect from a seller coming back years later and threatening to tell the bank unless you give them lots of money? I would tell them to call the bank because Sergio, the documents that we have put together, one of the documents that you have access to because you are a sub two student, the documents specifically state that if the seller ever goes to the bank, causes issues with our home, which we are the owners of, if the seller ever does that, they have an immediate, immediate fine against them of $50,000, of which they sign off on in the contract that you have access to. So go find that, Sergio. You'll see that. It's a damage. It's a basically a damage document that says if you ever alter, call the bank, cause issues, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, immediately we go after you for $50,000 and you have a judgment in your name for 50,000 bucks. Okay. So the second re the second way that, um, people get the due on sale clauses because of the improper insurance. Okay. Scott Levine says, is having insurance on a property and providing a copy of a new policy in effect to the lender, two different things. Yes. Yeah, so they're two completely different things. So remember we're taking over the original loan subject to, and when we take that over, we also are taking over the insurance policy subject to, right? In these options, which option A, option B, option C, there are multiple different ways to handle this insurance. So for example, I just bought this home that I'm currently sitting in, subject to. I did not get a new insurance policy because I know the seller, he's a personal friend of mine. I'm not worried about any sort of insurance issues whatsoever, but on other houses, we always change out the insurance. So you've got option A, you could keep the insurance in place. Option B, replace the insurance. Or C, add yourself as the additional insured. There's multiple ways to do it. And we could do an entire Sunday service just on insurance. Um, or if you are a sub two student, we've again done six dedicated hours on this exact topic with an insurance agent live in our mentorship on our Zoom. So go check that out. Um, a third option, Cody, what would be another third way that a bank would find out and call the due on sale clause. Do you have any ideas? Anything? Third, um, I, I have one that's real so obvious that you won't even think of it is if some stupid ass in, uh, um, investor misses a payment. Oh, I was like, what? Why are they? So obvious, right? It's like, because it they find out because they go to issue a foreclosure notice and they realize, oh my gosh, this guy doesn't even own the property. Oh my gosh, yeah. they transferred the deed. Yes. And it, guys, if you miss a payment on a house, that is um, due on sale clause is probably the least of your worries. I wouldn't worry about that. Miss, missing a payment is a big one. This one does happen. These are the top three. Top three are a small local bank, you redeemed it at an improper time. Small local bank actually keeps an eye on their loans, which other banks don't. You did the improper insurance or three misses a payment. Four, here's another one. Um, this one's really, really good. Incorrect paperwork. Okay. Um, Sergio alluded to this earlier, Sergio, that was a really great question. We'll have to probably follow up with us on next week's episode. 
Another way that this happens, do on sell clause, is an angry seller. <laughs> okay, typically it's a husband or a wife. Um, Cody and I actually, this was, dude, this was an interesting one. Um, what was that one in Chandler? Your oh. buddy's, your buddy's dad's uh, house yeah. we bought subject to. Yes, the Mercury. Mercury. So we buy the we buy the house subject to. Check this out, guys. This was an interesting one. So the seller, oh my gosh, I, do you remember this when the their attorney yeah, sent us a letter? Yeah, I remember the thing because I got the phone call from the people. <laughs> this is a good one. So the seller, um, and his wife, they got a divorce. Okay, years ago, years ago, years and years ago, and it was. Let's say it was a Wells Fargo loan. I don't remember. That was probably a $350,000 sub two, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Okay. So both the husband and the wife are on the, the, the um, mortgage. Okay. They're both on the mortgage. However, when they got divorced and they split up, the wife who stayed on the mortgage was told by the judge that she needed to deed the property over to... The husband. So that now the husband or the ex-husband, he has the deed by himself. He's on the deed. However, the wife is still on the hook on the mortgage. So when we transferred the deed from him to us, did we need the seller's, do we need the ex-wife's permission to transfer the deed to us? Nope. No, we did not. This gentleman had the sole right to sell the property to us because he controlled the deed. The person who controls the debt is not the owner, okay? And so what ended up happening is we got a call from the attorney who represented the wife. This was like years later, years yeah. and years later. What was that call? Basically, I mean, it seemed like the attorney was confused how we even still had how she was still associated with the property. They were just basically trying to see how they could get her taken off the mortgage. And our, our response was getting our attorney involved and basically saying, hey, we cannot take you off the mortgage. You're on the mortgage. We bought the property. We own the property. Sorry. There and you go. So <laughs> we ended up having Sean St. Clair, our attorney. Yep. Our attorney called their attorney and hammered it out. But this lady was threatening to call the due on sale clause saying, my name's on this mortgage and you, uh, and you're not the owner of this mortgage. You, uh, da, da, da. she was threatening and we essentially got our attorney involved and handled it. So those are the top five. Now there are a couple of others that are so minuscule and so small that it's not even worth talking about. Those are the top five. Now, here's what's gonna happen. We, on Sunday service, have made a de dedication to ourselves that um, we wanna keep Sunday service short and sweet. So we are already at the one hour mark, so we're gonna end Sunday service. And what we're gonna do is we're going to talk about on next week's episode of Sunday service is we're gonna call talk about do on sale part two. Do on sale clause part two. And what we're gonna talk about on do on sale clause is um, you know, a bunch of your guys' questions that are in here, right? A couple of things like test furniture says, or if you have it on auto payment and the loan amount creases and you are not aware, well, you would uh, be aware of that.
Okay, you would be aware of that because the lender documents and the lend you have access to the online portal, you have access to the lender sending you letters because if you did the paperwork correctly, remember right here, incorrect paperwork. What's happened so many times, we've seen so many people, we actually know this gentleman named Scott, kind of a knucklehead. I don't need to tell you who this guy Scott is, but let's just say Scott, and his name really is Scott. You he would buy houses subject to, but not set up the new owner with the bank as him to receive the mail. So when the bank would send out mail, the mail was going to the previous owner. So these types of things, there's probably about 10 things that you have to do when you buy a house subject to and tr transferring where the mail goes and who gets to talk to the mortgage and all that kind of stuff is a big part of that. Okay. So you would know if you did the paperwork correctly. So Great point, Test Furniture. I wish I knew your actual name, unless that is your name. If it is, that's the most unique name I've ever heard. But if that if um, that does happen and you knew what those 10 things were, it still goes underneath incorrect paperwork. Okay, That incorrect paperwork is actually a very wide um, umbrella. We can talk about that later on another day. But we're going to talk about Sunday service part two. And what we're going to do is, A, how to handle do on sale. Okay. That is truly what the entire episode is, is if you do get a do on sale clause called because you stupidly, you have no control over an angry seller. So we'll tell you how to handle that. If you stupidly didn't have the proper paperwork and know the 10 things you need to do, if you dumb in a dumb, dumb, dummy fashion, stupidly miss a payment because you don't know what you're doing and you set up the insurance incorrectly, and you also dealt, well, this is not something that's really that big of a deal, but let's say you didn't, you redeemed it a foreclosure and you deeded the property to yourself way too fast. Well, you, you, you're going to run into these things. So we want to teach you how to handle the do on sale clause. I would say that between my students and ourselves, I have probably been involved with a little over 40 plus do on sales. And 100% of the time, they have been easy to solve, okay? Easy. So we'll talk about that in next week's episode, unless you guys want to talk about something else. Cody, what's the plan for the week now that you're home? Oh, it's catch-up season. I mean, not not too crazy. I feel like the way that the businesses have become now, it's like probably a good few days of just kind of, you know, checking up on everything that's been happening, um, you know, and just resolving some problems, working through some challenges and just rocking and rolling, you know, so just catching up tomorrow, Tuesday are going to be big, uh, big catch up days. I want to say something before we tune out. Everybody, if you have not signed up for Zero to Hero recordings, you are absolutely crazy. Um, what Cody, Matt, and myself did is recently we started a brand new business just to show you guys how to build a business from scratch, how to generate leads, and how to generate. We, we ended up, we uh, had a meeting about it today. We get, got four contracts in a three-week period in a brand new market, starting from nothing, showing you how to come up with a company name, an LLC, a website, get everything going day one. 
By day eight, we had our first contract. And by the end of three weeks, we had four. We generated $50,000 in profit and show you guys step by step. I, I wish I could explain this better. There's no way to explain this better than we show you. We don't teach you. We show you how to build a business step by step, monkey see, monkey do type of way. And if you guys want to get access to those recordings, there is a waiting list. We are only letting 100 people at a time go through those. It is zero to hero, REI.com. I'm putting it in the show notes um, and the side chat right there. So please, guys, go to zero to hero, REI.com. The next wave of recordings actually become um, is available on August 16th. And uh, we just want to make sure that we have the ability to handle um, all the people who have questions that are going through it. So right now, the people who are able to watch the live were all the sub two students. The sub two students were able to handle it live, watch it live. So if you guys watch the Zero to Hero Challenge, please go in the comments and let people know how much value you got from watching that live. That was season one of Zero to Hero, where we show you how to do these things step by step. No more, go do this and come back and let me know how it went. We just do it ourselves and let you watch and, and, and follow along, okay? Season two, season three, season four are, are, are already planned. We are so excited about Zero to Hero. And if you are not on the waiting list, go to zero to hero rei.com. Cody, do you have anything to say before we bounce out? No, I'll just say it's good to be back on Sunday service. Excited to be back again next week. And Zero to Hero is probably the best course that's ever came out for the wholesale industry ever. Don't because say probably. Say that one more time without saying probably. I mean, it's 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 the best course that's ever came out for wholesale ever. And I'm super conservative and saying, you know, trying to toot my own horn, but I'm like, what who else out there started a business from scratch and recorded the entire thing from start to finish, from literally nothing to getting deals within a couple of weeks period of time, recorded it every single day within a couple hour increments a day. I mean, there's nothing out there like that. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Doesn't exist. Guys, I will see you on Wholesale Hotline tomorrow night, Arizona time, 5 p.m. It's going to be a good one. And we will see you on Sunday service next week on how to handle the do on sale clause. See you guys next week.